Katya here at Commonwealth Holistic Herbalism in Boston, Massachusetts. And today I'm here with Ana Rosa Hobitstata from Iceland, and I am so excited. Y'all know we almost never do interviews on our podcast, but this is something really special, and I'm super excited to talk to y'all about it. Before we just launch right into this whole thing, I just have to do the quick reclaimer, but you know... Rin isn't here to keep me on board and remind me what the script is. So I'm going to do the shorty short version, which is we are not doctors. We are herbalists and holistic health educators. And all the stuff that we're going to talk about today is for educational purposes only. There's no medical advice here. So um, let's go. Let's do this. So <laughs> this is Ana Rosa. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Um, Ana Rosa and I and Rin met at an herb conference in the U.S. Um, I think it was the International Herb Symposium. It was, yeah. I think it was Quite in a while back. 2007 or uh, yeah. a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we got married in 2014, we went to Iceland on our honeymoon and we visited Ana Rosa, who took us all around to see different herbs growing in Iceland. And it was an amazing experience. <laughs> um, one of the herbs that I remember in particular um, meeting was rhodiola. And rhodiola is an herb that, of course, I knew about before I went to Iceland, but it, I had never really understood it. Like I had never really formed a, a relationship with it. I didn't really feel comfortable knowing how to work with it. It was like an herb I knew about, but I didn't didn't know about it in my body. And I definitely didn't know about it in the world. And then I went to Iceland (laughs) and Anarasa gave us some and took us to harvest some and it was amazing. So I'm going to just let you talk about that for a little while. Yeah, I remember that very clearly when we did that. Um, And what I think is so important is that you don't connect with the herb really until you have actually done that. So I remember standing there with you and digging up that root by hand, just like we were allowed to there by the sea, I remember, mm-hmm. and uh, and just breaking it. And you can actually smell it. You can see the colors and you you kind of get a totally different feeling for it. Mm-hmm. So um, and it, it, in Iceland, it grows both wild and, and then it's uh, very common in garden as well. So I live in a street which actually has three rhodiola plants on it. <laughs> <laughs> which which delights me no end because I say hello to them each time I go out of my house, kind of. I, I wonder what the neighbors think, you know, <laughs> probably that I'm quite weird. Um, and then you can occasionally find it in the countryside as well. But it, it is that kind of connection, which is so important if, you, if you're going to be a herbalist, to actually recognize them, to taste them, to smell them in the nature, if you possibly can. Of course, you can't with all the herbs you work but. But uh, rhodiola, it's easy to grow in the gardens, for example. So you could do that in the States. It grows in Canada. It's, it's, it's here. Been, yeah. Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't last. You have to regrow it regularly. Like it's, it's an annual right. okay. Is it? All right. I didn't know that because it's, yeah. it's not here, of course. Okay. It takes it, a long time to grow, though, at least five to seven years, I think. Yeah. But We're just not far south for it to be really happy here. Yeah, it's probably too hot for it or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm guessing that. Yeah. <laughs> but I have I have 
like 30, because I've been working as a herbalist for 30 years, so I have about 30 years experience with rhodiola, and it is one of the herbs I have used the most. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm talking really from experience, for example, in the in the course and the online course I'm doing on Icelandic herbs now, the healing power. I'm I'm talking about working with patients or clients, whatever you call it here, for 30 years with rhodiola. And also I sell it in like 50 chemist shops. So I get a lot of uh, feedback from people just taking that, not in a mixture or anything like that. And it's such a good one for anxiety. Really? Everyone is anxious by now in Iceland, just like anywhere else. Although we do claim that we are the happiest people in the world or something. (laughs) According to all surveys, but then we are riddled with anxiety. <laughs> so, you know, kind of a bit of a controversy, I think. <laughs> but that's what that's what I have been treating so much, anxiety and young people, of course. Hmm. I feel like what I knew about rhodiola before I came to visit you was just, oh, yeah, it's the happy herb. And hmm. that didn't really give me enough information about how to work with it. But once I learned it from the Icelandic perspective and I saw it in its climate with the cold and the damp all Mm. around it Mm. and the, you know, maybe you go many days without sun and here's this plant with this bright yellow, beautiful flower. Mm. And, and those are the things that helped me to really understand the right time. Like it's, Rodeo is maybe not for every single anxiety, but when you start to realize how this plant lives in its own environment, Mm. and then you can start to see like, oh, I see the kinds of times when it would be the the right answer for anxiousness. Mm. So I always like to tell people um, I have this Viking analogy about rhodiola. You see, I think about it differently because I've seen a lot of uh, writing and material, especially in the States, that you have to be careful with it. That is not for everyone and and all that. But that is not my experience. That's absolutely not my experience. I have given it to thousands of people and it's literally for everyone. (laughs) I do not see side effects from it. That has been extremely rare. I mean, you do see that from some herbs, as we know, but rhodiola, no. And I'm giving it in a cupful. I'm not giving it in drops. I'm giving big doses. It's much bigger than you do in the stage. And we're talking about a regular tincture here, which I make myself. Yes. Uh, it's just in, in uh, the ratio of one to five. Oh, it might even be less. No, I think it's one to five with the one I'm doing. and um, And it's just... I don't find this to be the truth that is it's difficult for a lot of people. I've never seen it, literally. I, like I we're talking about one patient per year who might have a side effect from it or something. Sorry, go on. You and I have had this conversation before, and always yeah. to me it reinforces how to work with rhodiola. Because if I find that if I'm working with someone in a really hot place and they're just totally wilted. That's maybe not the mm. right thing for rhodiola, but you're never in that situation. Exactly. Yeah, that's a very good point. I'm never ever in that situation. No, Everybody is cold here, and uh, and we're all depressed, of course, because of the darkness and so right. forth. So that might be the explanation then. Yeah. But my thing is, my thing is also the dosage. I, I wonder about that because I've never ever given it in few drops. I mean, no. I don't do that generally, but I mean, I give it in a big dose per day as well. I find it centers. Icelandic people, 
Hmm? Only is it like damp in the environment because yeah. it's an island, but also everyone's in the hot tubs all the time. Like, so everybody water all of the time. So it's fine hmm. to give something really astringent to people who are hmm. surrounded by and often submerged in water. That's a very good point. You're giving me a new view on it now. For me, it's just like normal. Give rhodiola to absolutely everyone I come across, <laughs> literally. And it works. That's the and the thing is with rhodiola, I find when I take it, I find it really centers me and I find it effective immediately, like the same mm-hmm. day. It I depends. I find that too. Yeah. Okay, so here's my here's my Viking analogy. I always <laughs> think about it. If you imagine like a a Viking and they're going from Iceland or from Norway or from wherever they're from, and they're going to go all the way to Greenland or even, you know, they got all the way to North America. So they're going to do that. But it's not like they did that in a luxury cruise liner. They did that in a in an open boat and maybe they were rowing for a lot of that time. And so just yep. imagine these, these, these men and also some women, it was cold, it was damp, it was gray. There was no land anywhere and there's Gonna, it's going to be exactly the same tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that. And it's kind of hopeless if you think about it. Just day, are we ever going to get there? And I haven't had hot meals forever. And so if that's the situation you're in, just surrounded by gray fog and it's not going to get better tomorrow, that is the perfect time for rhodiola. It like perks you right up and makes you feel like, yeah, I can row to North America. No problem. Yeah. Yeah, I think you've I think you've totally got it there. Basically, <laughs> it really and I've often heard it because with a lot of the herbs, you wait for kind of two weeks for them to work, or at least one week, month sometimes. But with rhodiola, I would say it's instant. I don't. I have no idea how many feedbacks I've had like that. Mm-hmm. Like it really worked the same day, and for HDHD as well. Yeah. But then I yeah, it it works for loads and loads of other things too. You know. Uh, yeah. But, Definitely one of my favorite. Mm. Well, I want to transition to your new course. Um, So you've started this new course as a way to raise money for your work with Kurdish refugees. And we're going to talk about that work in a minute. But Mm -hmm. I'm kind of also really excited about your unique perspective in this course, because um, it's focusing on Icelandic herbs. But the really cool thing for us here in North America is that all these herbs that you're teaching about, almost all of them grow here, too. And learning them, like my experience of learning rhodiola from you, as opposed to what I heard about it from people here in the States, Mm -hmm. I didn't, I could not unlock my relationship with that plant until I learned it from you. Mm -hmm. And so I'm kind of excited that you've got this whole course together with your perspectives on all these herbs that people can learn. Um, Mm. So why don't you tell us a little bit about this course that you're offering as both this amazing thing for people and also a way to raise money for your refugee work? Mm -hmm. So what I did was I I put together 14 herbs because those 14 herbs are the ones I have been uh, wildcrafting and working with nonstop for over 30 years. So I didn't pick uh, the rarer one or I I really picked the common ones Mm -hmm. Uh, because, well, I did this course originally in Icelandic. So it was for the public here in Iceland to actually go out and grow. And it has been very popular for that. And then I, I kept on being asked about it in English as well, partly for the people who speak English here in Iceland, but also just from abroad. I've had a lot of requests because, um, 
Well, that, as you say, those are common herbs wherever you go, except maybe Iceland moss might not be. That's one of the 14s. I think you might have it in Canada, but not in, in, in the States, maybe. Yeah, it doesn't grow here, but it's very easy to purchase here. Yeah, that's the other thing. All of them are very easy to purchase. So I wanted to, to do a course with common things because it's pointless having a rare thing. I mean, the thing is, you can do almost absolutely everything with 14 herbs. Yes. <laughs> I have always that kind of herbalist. I, I've never worked with 300 herbs uh, and lots of unique things or whatever, you know. I have had be partly because half of the herbs are illegal here. I have a very small flora, so I can't pick that many. I mean, it's very tiny compared to, to the States. So I've just had to make do. And I've done that and discovered that I literally can do most things with those 14 herbs. That, that, that's the whole thing, you know. That's that's always how I have worked mm -hmm. uh, through the years. So, um, so that's why I picked those ones. And uh, my main thing has always been to harvest myself. That's what I've always done. So I did specific videos just on that, like uh, in my... <laughs> authentic style I'm not that good at videos but in the videos you can really see the plant and I really show people where I cut it and why and talk about it and maybe diseases or whatever so I'm literally giving all my harvesting tips I've accumulated for the last 30 years but then of course I do a lot of talking about the the uses scientific research habit everything you know it's, it's literally an encyclopedia about those 14 herbs. It's so excellent. So, okay, <laughs> in the show notes for this pod, we will put the link for where people can find this course. Mm -hmm. um, and it's awesome and amazing, just like your book is awesome and amazing, and everything you do is awesome and amazing. But the most awesome and most amazing part about this is that this course is helping you fund a mm -hmm. project that you have started a new long-term relationship to work with Kurdish refugees. And I am so excited about this work. And I would just love for you to talk about who you're working with and the projects that you're doing and your plans for the future. And just, ah, tell us all about it. It's so okay. Cool. Okay. Okay. I will try. <laughs> okay. So that is my biggest passion in life now um, and it feels a bit like my biggest passion was herbs when I was 21 and then I had a call like a literal calling for being a herbalist uh, and then now five years ago I had a, a, a same thing happening to me from Instagram this time last time it was newspapers I just go with the media I know I'm very modern uh, and so I had this kind of a calling that I needed to work with refugees and that was a weird thing happening to me because I had no connection I hadn't been following refugee situation in any particular way except on Instagram through photography and so slowly I sort of started to think well I need to do something too you know if if that person can do this, uh, well, can't I do something? So it was literally like a calling, but it was really weird because um, there was no one else around me with those kind of ideas. And I had a calling to go to the Middle East, which I had never been to, and, and not until I went to Iraq, Kurdistan uh, in Iraq this year. Uh, so it was really weird to be setting up an idea of a project uh, in a faraway country I'd never been to, didn't know anyone at all. <laughs> 
Uh, and then if I would mention those ideas here in Iceland, people would just look at me and think, like, she's certifiable or something like that. I mean, honestly, if I try to talk to people here, they really thought I was just like bonkers or whatever you say, you know. I mean, honestly. Uh, so I was kind of like, um, I waited for those five years to actually let it materialize because I needed to kind of sit with this odd idea and and I never it never went away and with good ideas that's the whole thing they actually don't go away and it didn't matter if I tried to ignore it it would always pop up again mm. so eventually I went on Instagram because that's my source of information <laughs> you're always saying social media is so bad it's not so it's just the way you use it you know right. that's my experience right. You just have to use it properly. And I, I def most definitely do because I went on Instagram and found an organization that I simply emailed and said, here I am. Do you want to work with me? And they said, yes. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, I'm going. <laughs> but, and it was literally few emails. They were like, put a lot of trust in, in wanting to collaborate with me. And we didn't even Zoom. We didn't even talk. It was just decided in like five emails. And yes, you can go to Kurdistan and Iraq. We will support you and give you access to our people and so forth. And off I went. And I had the most fabulous time ever. <laughs> Literally. I think that is actually really important because um, a lot of times we see that um, ideas for support don't work out because maybe people don't have access into a community that they want to support. But what you did was you found an organization that was already doing this work and contacted them and said, I have resources. I have, I have ideas. I have plants. I have all these things. And I would like to be of use to you. I would like to be in service to you. Is that something that you would like? And mm -hmm. when, we, when we operate that way, like you said, People are like, yes, I would love it if you would come and participate in this work that we're doing. But I think most organizations actually don't work like that. I think they are fairly bureaucratic. They are huge, international, that. And I just lucked out with this organization, which is called the Lotus Flower, by the way. They've been working there, I think, for eight years. And they're doing fabulous work with the women in the refugees camps and the camps for inter internally placed people as well, so not just refugees. And so they have set up all kinds of, brilliant programs like for mental health, for cyber health, for genders, for food, all to assist the women to learn about things and become independent, setting up their own businesses. And that's where I come into because my idea is I, I've been there, of course, and I, I went to three of the camps and, and I taught workshops in how to make ointment. And that was a bit tricky because it's it was not like I could just find herbs like that in, in Kurdistan, Iraq. I couldn't. I went to the market, didn't recognize half of them. And in the end, I found nettle and chamomile. And I thought, well, I can work with that. I can do anything with nettle and chamomile. So those two herbs I was recommending basically for everything for the rest of the trip. Because <laughs> I could tell people, you can go to the market and get them. Yes. So I made recipes with those and few spices maybe along with it. Mm -hmm. 
But that is that is when it comes in a good stand that I have worked with so few plants. I have no problem with working only with three plants because if they are the, the really good ones like chamomile and nettle, you can literally do most things. You do so much. Right? Well, that's the whole thing. So I'm not too bothered that I don't recognize anything in, in Kurdistan. I'm just there going to the market and sort of, yeah, okay, tastes nice, but I have no idea what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I will figure it out, though. I have found people, um, uh, agriculturists who know medicinal plants, and they are helping me out because they know the Latin name. So I will figure it out in the end what is available. But uh, so I went to the workshops and started teaching them how to make ointments, which was very well received because, of course, well, firstly, they just wanted ointments. They needed that for all kinds of things. They wanted to learn about it as well. And I had great fun teaching there. Absolutely wonderful. I mean, the women were so nice. Uh, and then I'm assisted by, I'm, I have a translator, of course, because I don't speak any of the language and lots of languages there, not just one. Uh, so I'm lucky that the organization provides me with a translator and, um, well, a driver and all those kind of things. So I couldn't do it without another organization because you just go, don't go there and knock on your door and say, here I am. I want to do something in the right. refugee. Well, we need to it doesn't make- quite work like that. I figured that out at least. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but so I'm very lucky that I can collaborate with them. We call the project Herbal Sisters because they have a lot of sister programs. So they did, we just named it Herbal Sisters, which is very suitable. And so I have all kinds of uh, ideas. I I want to develop quite a few other herbal product products with them. So the and my idea and the end goal is that at least few of them could start selling those products, so yeah. they have some income and can support their families. Uh, the, some of them are very keen on that idea, um, but I need to also figure out ways around things. Like I can't make tincture like usually because they are religious Muslims, a lot of them, so they don't drink alcohol. So I have to move on to glycerides, which I'm not used to. So it's all these kind of things to figure out, which is not difficult, but just takes time to develop. Right. So different, and also I can't get hold of good essential oils. All kinds of things I don't. We don't have to think about it in the Western world. So what I'm doing is I'm only working with material I can find there. I'm not importing herb. I'm not looking for donations of herbal products because that's just impossible. You're not going to send them to Iraq, or yes. I'm not going to bring suitcases with me. That that is not going to work. So I, the only thing I have is to work with what is there. And of course, there are loads of medicinal herbs there, but they're not necessarily sold where I go. I mean, there are all kinds of things to figure out. Yeah. Anyway. I think it's actually really important on a few levels, because on one hand, the fact that you are only working with the herbs that are available there, that is a very sustainable model so that what you're teaching these women is not just like, well, wouldn't this be nice? You could do these things. It is literally you can do this because all the materials are here and you can support yourself and care for your family this way because we are specifically working with what's here. But I also actually love that you are going there and starting off with the, the herbs that you are most comfortable with, but there's so much space to grow and not everything has to come from you. They know those spices. They know that stuff. Mm -hmm. And you can you can teach them new ways to think about it 
But mm-hmm. all of this is a collaboration. It's not just you parachuting in and saying, yep. this is the one it's way. always like that. And I did a lot of um, sort of gathering of material. So I always in those workshops, I asked a lot. Like I was really trying to to ask them, are you used to this one? What do you call that one? And how do you use it? Uh, there was some knowledge, not that much. I was expecting more, but maybe they were just shy. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's always a collaboration. What I am doing more than anything else is that I'm bringing the confidence. I'm yeah. transporting my 30 years of experience and the confidence that I know the herbs work, which you don't if you're not used to it. And if it's just sort of la la something women do and not important, we, we know those kind of prejudices, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I'm transporting my confidence to those women and telling them you too can learn this and it's not difficult and I will teach you and you can have the confidence and you can become your own community herbalist as well which is another part of my plan I want to uh, there are um, people within the organization who want to study herbs so to train people to be herbalists in some way at least that's definitely one of the plans. I would like to set up a clinic there as well, but then I'm not going to live there, so that's more difficult. <laughs> uh, so I I think of it like there are endless, uh, I don't think of it as challenges, endless opportunities. There are endless ways to grow in whichever direction you want to do. So, so that's why I'm doing the course. That's why I'm marketing it literally abroad because – I'm going to take the profit from it and and use it directly. If you buy the course, you are directly sending money to the women in, in the refugees card. There's just a, you can I think you can trust me on that one. <laughs> I'm, setting, I'm setting up a charity too, you know, and registered charity with a board of people who, who have already agreed to work with me. So it's not I'm not just fundraising out of the blue and and just take the money and do something. This will be a this will be done properly. Let's put it that way. I think um, that's just that everything you do is that is very much your style. <laughs> Thank you, but it's also just very important that it's transparent that there are other people involved who are not just doing whatever they. I mean, I could just otherwise do whatever I like if there is no no one looking over my shoulder, you know, and that's not on, not in terms of money, uh, and if you want to fundraise properly, but so yeah, that's that's why I'm doing it basically. I'm so excited about it. I want to go back to the thing you said about confidence. Yes. That I think more than anything, that is actually a thread through all of the sister projects um, that this group um, is doing that every, like they have a project where they're teaching the women to box um, and they have various where they teach like other kinds of business models, baking or whatever, um, Mm -hmm. and then educational projects. But the line through all of that is to give women confidence. It's not Mm -hmm. that the women don't already know how to cook or bake or whatever, but there's a big difference between knowing how to do something for yourself and having Mm -hmm. the confidence to put it out there as a business that's going to support you. Mm -hmm. Support, like a way to support yourself is the most important thing that, people mm-hmm. that refugees need yeah I mean, we can we can donate food and whatever and we should but ultimately over the long term what they really need is to be able to support themselves and that's also what they want I mean everybody wants that yeah and and it really comes down to that confidence feeling mm-hmm. after everything around you has maybe been destroyed or taken or yeah. ruined is- mm-hmm. and now you're not in your home and you're uprooted and everything else mm-hmm 
the thing to, to get back so that you can move forward is that confidence. Exactly. So I think mm-hmm. it's, I think it's really beautiful that that's also your, um, attitude as you go in there. It isn't that you're the expert bestowing all the things. It's like, <laughs> and we can all collaborate and, and yeah. build this beautiful work. And, um, I'm super excited about it. And you just have to also just raise the awareness of herbalism. And I happen to be in Kurdistan, Iraq, so it will be my job to raise the awareness because, I mean, it's not looked upon as a proper thing in most most places in the world. We know how that is. Mm-hmm. So here I am. I come in. I have 30 years experience. I've written books. I'm running my own company, selling cosmetics, doing good and all that. Well, if I can do it and I can teach it, I can give the confidence then. It's yeah. also about having the confidence of being independent and, and, and running a business. Mm-hmm. That, that, is, uh, that is partly uh, or part of what I can do as well, because if, if there is anything I have been doing is being independent myself for the last 30 years, you know. Um, I was going to say something about that, because <laughs> I think that if I were making a dictionary and independent was in the dictionary. I would just put your picture next to it. <laughs> I'm going to take that as a compliment, okay? <laughs> but everything you know about your story, like you've you've lived in a lot of places, you've traveled all around, you've done some really cool and very different things. Everything, like, I mean, you're a herbalist now, but you were a banker and you did like all these different things. You know, oh, yeah, I was a banker once, that's right. <laughs> right? But, these different places. And yeah in different mm. languages and like all this stuff and I I just sort of look at you in the world and and even when I just think about you like oh my friend Ana Rosa I just think about like you're just such a force you're just like <laughs> like like if I think that if anybody was going to go role model confidence and also confidence as a woman in a in a world where it's not always easy to have confidence as a woman and it's uh, that is important very very important yes absolutely you're, that's the other main thing mm. right but like your spirit is the spirit i want them to to be infused with and to and to be like mm. i want to be like her i want to be me with that energy you know <laughs> yeah yeah i get you um you know how i think of this i'm just doing what i like I'm always just doing what I actually like. I say no to a lot of things because I'm always constantly being asked to take part in whatever projects and other businesses and so forth. But I just say no because I know I'm doing exactly what I like. Mm-hmm. I think it's very important to learn to say no and just follow your heart. I'm following my heart more than anything. I mean, if you get a calling like that from Instagram of all places. <laughs> and I got the calling from a regular newspaper to be a herbalist. And I just read, that was like when I was 20, I read that article and I was just like, I have to be a herbalist. And I'm not, I'm not such an impulsive, I'm fairly careful in many ways, but it was just like instantly, okay, I know what I'm going to do with my life. I'm going to be a herbalist. I mean, how lucky is that to know that when you're 20? Then I digressed, digressed a little bit and became a banker for a while, but I didn't stop being a herbalist. You well, know? And you have to pay your bills, so it's okay. I too, yeah, but I actually thought it was interesting. <laughs> I actually liked the banker, bankers well too. Uh, uh, but um, no, I, I think it's the, the thing about you just have to like what you do. And I have, I've always been very lucky, if, if you call it luck, to, to be passionate and just do things I really like. And this is the same thing. I mean, I went there and I met 
only absolutely gorgeous people wherever I went. The people in the organization, they were they were just absolutely awesome. Like all these young people I was working with, most of them 23 or something, you know, didn't matter at all. They're fabulous. I'm, I'm WhatsApping with them today. That kind of thing, you know. Uh, they want to learn about herbs. They're really keen on what I'm doing and, and want to learn. And they want to, to be able to also tell the women. They want to be able to teach as well because they, they can see. Of course, I can't do all of this my, myself, just one person. But if I can sort of spread the word out yeah. and... Um, and uh, then things will happen, you know. But it, I am only doing it because I really like it and I'm having fun. That's the other thing. And the people were so worried. I constantly was bothered by people from Iceland, like, are you okay? Is everything okay? And I was perfectly safe. This was like as safe as being in Reykjavik. But if you Google it, or you Google it, you're not supposed to go there at all because it's so dangerous. And that is simply not true. I mean, I was there for two weeks, absolutely no problem whatsoever. And you can feel it. Because I've been in many countries, and and quite a lot of countries much more unsafer than that one. So in in the area I was, it was perfectly safe, and the people were the most hospitable people I've ever met in my life. <laughs> I could have pay for anything if I went to the shop to buy. They were like, no, 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 we are giving it to you. I'm not joking. It literally is like that. And I was just like, whoa. <laughs> it's so funny when you go to countries that really have hospitality as a part of their culture. At least mm. as, as a person who lives in the United States, because that's not necessarily part of our culture here. And um, oh, I think it is. Mm. It depends on it depends on the context, right? Yes. So yes. Just, um, you know, any place where you find people who are just happy to see you and happy to work with you and happy to share and mm. share like that's so amazing. Well, people just so genuinely nice. It was not that they wanting something from you, which is often the case, you know, but it was like, like that genuine. I mean, I was driving around the countryside with with two friends, I would say, and we just went and talked to a farmer and, and we ended up drinking tea with him and I gave him a recipe for uh, his diabetes. Well, obviously nettle and chamomile, I was all like, <laughs> it so happens that nettle is very good for diabetes. So, <laughs> so I... I built the recipe for him and he was very happy we had this very nice conversation through translators and in those almond trees and it was just a gorgeous experience and I literally think people are like that wherever you go in that country that that was the feeling I got so I'm, and I'm hoping to be able to go twice per year and spend a month each time and I'm not being salaried or anything like that the, the money that I fundraise will go towards uh towards what I'm doing not uh, not bringing in a salary for me or anything like that that's just definitely will never be on right, right. Uh, but that's and, not the reason for the work that's I no mean, no it's not but people could think I was doing that kind of thing so I just want to be clear about it. I will write it on the website too so I'm yeah. setting up the charity and the whole thing and I hope to go in autumn next time so I was only in March so it's a short while I was there and if I can go twice per year, that would be fabulous. If I can get off my my regular work of making cosmetics in my slot. <laughs> um, you were talking about setting up a clinic. And um, I mm. think that is a really amazing and wonderful thing. Um, we I love that. had that mm. work in West Virginia, too, where we we don't live there. But we had people who we were training. And then we would go to do the clinics together. And mm -hmm. 
now they can do that themselves. You know, like people, people learn the work. And if you are, if you are able to support them online while you're not there, and then when you are there, you're able to say, okay, now let's take everything you learned over the past six months and let's do it in person together. It it moves people forward very quickly. Um, So I think the Mm -hmm. plans for that are really exciting. I think so too. I would love to see that happening too. And the other thing is, it's not like people have much options in the camps. I mean, there are probably some doctors there. Don't know how good they are. I mean, medicine expensive and maybe not that good. So it's not like they have access to great health service at all. They don't. They've hardly any access at all. So anything that can help really matters, I think. Yes. So, of course, herbs come in there. We know that. I mean, <laughs> you can go and pick them next door kind of thing. So in some cases, so that's another thing to actually find the fields around the camps. Yes. What what herbs can we find? I mean, there, as I said, and then also growing, because I know the organization is quite keen on, on growing in greenhouses. And, and I would like to set up, of course, a uh, growing lots of herbs and, and a proper clinic and all that and and maybe that will happen I, yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't surprise me at all I just have to figure out a few more few more things and, and set that up somehow get get more in people involved and like you say teach people mm. it's so, so cool, you know yes it's so exciting to be at the beginning phases of this project and be watching like all the little sprouts um and to think about like five years from now how different it will be um and all the different things like all yeah, the- I, hadn't, I hadn't thought of that <laughs> yes that, and for me I think that's one of the most amazing things about about working as an herbalist and specifically about teaching other people is that you know you teach people and they already know lots of things mm-hmm. and now they also know some stuff that you know too, and they go out into the world and they do it differently than you did and in different places than you would and like all places you maybe couldn't get to or whatever else. And and it's just like plants, like everything spreads and grows and there becomes all sorts of variety and diversity and interdependence and- um, That's a beautiful so, analogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's amazing to think about, um, you know, we'll have to have you back every year to to, to, <laughs> to check, check on the project where I'm at. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I promised them that I would come. I was in March and so it was it was hardly spring then. And so they were urging me I'd have to come next time in May so I would actually see the flowers. And apparently if I go in September, October, there will still be a lot of them. Because, of course, the, the one day I could spend in the countryside was the highlight of the trip for me being a herbalist, you know. We, we always want to stay with the herbs. Uh, it's, it's like, uh, I think it's, it's, it's going to be fabulous. If I just think of the absolutely great time I had for only two weeks, I think I'm in for a good, yes. good thing. You know? Never mind getting ill and all those things, you know. But it's just like, it was just... It's, it was quite something, you know, and it's going to continue like that. I'm fairly sure of that. Well, I'm not going to stop. There's no <laughs> way. There's no way. <laughs> I will somehow get the money together. No question about that. Just somehow. Buy my course, please. Buy my course so I can go back to Iraq and continue. <laughs> Simple as that. 
Thank you so much for telling us all about this. And also, um, if you are out there listening and you're thinking like, well, hey, there's some work that I've really been wanting to do. And look, Ana Rosa had, had work that was on her heart to do, and now she's doing it. And I could do that too. You could do that too. You totally can do that too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, the steps that you went through were to get an idea, then spend a little time, a lot of time sitting with it mm-hmm. and thinking more about it and learning more about it and then finding an organization that you can plug into. Um, and then just putting all your energy behind it and all the resources that you have to give behind it. And, um, you know, showing up and saying, how can I collaborate? How can we work together? How can I be of service to you? It's, it's that kind of thing that you have. I have no choice. That's how it is for me. I have no choice. I have to do this. It's, it's pulling. It's that kind of pull or calling or whatever you like to call it. But that is what it really is. And then you just can't say no. You have to do it. Yeah. And the plus side is I'm having so much fun always. <laughs> I, that's that's the best thing but then I'm a herbalist you know right but I <laughs> we think do have fun is that when you are aligned with the work that is mm. for you to do yeah. in the world yeah it is fun I mean it doesn't mean that there's never any hardship or whatever but it is fun and it is joyful because yeah because you're in that you're in the flow of like where you belong so yeah yeah. yeah, no, there is always hardship too. I mean, I, for example, got seriously ill there too. I, I have forgotten about that conveniently now. Oh, <laughs> so I'm just like figuring out how can I avoid getting ill each time I go kind of thing, you know. But I really don't care about that. I'll figure out, I'll take some herbs, I'll figure my way around it. But That's I mean, right. that is, it comes with it. You, you get serious illnesses you, you, when you when you go to countries which are not uh, as sanitized as we are, that kind of thing, you know, these sparks. But who cares? I don't, yeah. not really. It'll be okay. It'll all be okay. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for sharing all this. Again, I'm going to put the link in the show notes of where you can get to the course. And also you can um, support all of this work through that course. So you'll be getting all this cool information from the Icelandic perspective on these herbs that are common here in North America also, and that we can work with every day. And all of the money that is raised with this course is going to work on these beautiful herbal sister projects in Kurdistan. And I'm super excited about it. Thank you so much for having me and supporting me all the way through. <laughs> it's really important to have that this kind of support when you, especially when you're starting out. So I think it's very auspicious. Is auspicious? Is that a word? Yes, yes. it is the right word. <laughs> Right word for me. It's auspicious that I'm, I'm already I'm already feeling so supported by the herbal world. Again, it's like when you are where you belong, all of the mm. support comes, and I think that is true whether it is a project like this or even just people who are learning about plants for the first time and they're thinking like I need to bring the plants into my life, and then you commit to that inside yourself, but then like the herbs just come to you and they come to in the form of friends who also like herbs or they come to you in the form of, Hey, where did this plant in my yard come from? All of a sudden I'm seeing this plant and it was never here before. And it comes to you in all kinds of ways. And so like I, if I can work with two herbs in Iraq, nettle and, and chamomile, you can do anything where you are. Yes. Seriously. Yes. <laughs> you don't need much. That's the whole thing, you know? Yeah. Awesome. Well, Anarosa, thank you so much. I am sending thank you. you hugs and <laughs> 
everybody else on the podcast. Um, he does the ending thing, but isn't it take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and support Ana Rosa's project in Kurdistan and drink some tea. Maybe it's <laughs> little <laughs> Thank you again. Bye. Bye bye.